This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli podcast. We're doing it on Tuesday, October 10th, the day after a disheartening loss by the Philadelphia Phillies against the Braves in the playoff series. Podcast number 120, we'll call this. It's brought to us by Bet Rivers. If you bet the Braves last night, I was, I was reading somebody uh, on social media, and it was the seventh inning, and they said, I just took a flyer on the Braves to win the game just to take a shot. And uh, so he, he looked good because those odds in the seventh inning were pretty good in favor of the Phillies. But uh, let's look at this. A heartbreaker in, in dramatic fashion. Uh, it, it ends on a great catch and a double play after the Braves had taken the lead with a late inning home run. Um, here's, the, here's the upshot of this. It's a bad loss, but is it a killer loss? Uh, and you have to look at this now in, in this context. Did the Phillies let the Braves off the mat uh, and uh, reawaken them uh, as opposed to what the Braves have left pitching-wise in game three in Philadelphia? So there's there's the tug of war. It's like, okay, the Braves are awakened. However, who are they going to pitch in game three in that cauldron that is Citizens Bank Park? Well, we'll get to that in a second. We'll try to figure that out. Uh, but let's uh, let's look at this game. See, here's the thing about the Braves in game three. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself here. We're going to get back in time. But the Braves have a choice to pitch. Bryce Elder, the rookie who started off well this year, but has been crap in the second half of the year. They can pitch a, 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 another rookie that they just brought up and throw him to the Wolves, or they can do a bullpen game. So they're, they're, uh, even though they gained tremendous momentum from last night, where did they take that momentum in game three? That's the question mark, which I still think gives the Phillies the edge. The only problem is they now have an extra day to think about how bad that loss was. And, you know, a lot of players would like to get right back on the field to erase that. Um, okay, um, let's look at the game. Let's examine game two from a lot of different viewpoints. And, uh, you know, a lot of people like to look at, at losses like this. And they go, go, who's to blame? Was it Turner? Uh, with a couple errors? Was it Rob Thompson and his decisions for the bullpen? Was it uh, the 11 runners that they stranded? In fact, they were two for eight with runners in scoring position. Was it Bryce at the end who runs into a double play on a horrendous mistake? Was it Hoffman who, throw the, who threw maybe the wrong pitch to, uh, to, to uh, the, the home run hitter there, uh, Austin Riley? So uh, let's look at it a, a little bit now. Um, Wheeler is throwing a gem. Okay. Now, um, he's throwing a perfect game. If it was not for the Turner era, he threw 51 pitches before the Braves got a ball into the outfield 
on a fly ball out. All right. So he was pretty much in command. Uh, so now here's the decision and, and what they uh, have done in this game, which you could question. They send him out for the seventh at 85 pitches. It was clear that his stuff wasn't as sharp as it had been. The Phillies are up four to one at the time because the gate is open when Turner doesn't handle the relay throw in the bottom of the six and Acuna scores on that play all the way from first base after Albies hit the ball into the right field. All right. So now it is four to one and you have a choice. Now, there's no question in my mind that I'm sending Wheeler back out for the seventh. Um, so here's what happens in the seventh. Olsen hits a hard single, which is an indication that maybe the stuff is waning a little bit. He got good contact on that ball. He hit a smash up the middle. So now you start to think. But he comes back and he strikes out Ozuna. So you go, okay, he's good. He's a pro. He's going to handle this whole thing. And then the problem is he throws a meatball slider to Darno, who hits a home run to make it four to three. All right. Now, at that point, he's obviously done, and they make the move. So they bring in Alvarado. Uh, Alvarado <laughs> it looks great. He, he gets out of the seventh inning with two strikeouts. So we're all good. And now we go to the eighth. The Phillies still have a one-run lead. They send him back out for the eighth because Michael Harris is up. That's what you do. You send a left-handed route, tough left-hander, against a tough left-handed hitter and in, in, in the bottom of the eighth. So he gets Harris. Now here comes the decision. This is why playoff baseball is great in managerial decisions. You now have a choice to leave Alvarado out there, who's got great stuff. He's been very reliable lately, but he would have to face a right-handed hitter. So, and it's Acuna. Now, think about the inning before he got out a right-handed hitter with his stuff when he paralyzed Pilar with a pitch that was unbelievable in the inside corner. Pilar didn't even think it was a strike. It was clearly a strike. They cut to the Braves' dugout, and that punk Spencer Strider is saying, F you to the umpire. All right? So, so here we are. Now, you're Rob Thompson. You go, okay. Cunha. Alvarado, I don't like this matchup. I'm going to trust my instincts on what I have done to make the Phillies successful towards the end of the year, and that was Jeff Hoffman. So you can't blame Thompson in that situation for bringing, bringing Hoffman in the game. You can't, you can't just change the script. The Braves tried to change the script in game one, backfired on him. You don't change the script in mid-flight when you, you've had success with a certain formula. So I can't blame Rob Thompson for bringing in Hoffman in that particular situation. So Hoffman comes in. First thing he does, he loses a grip on a breaking ball, and he hits Acuna. Now, I'm looking at that, and I'm going, uh, okay, well, um, at least Acuna can't hit a home run to tie the game. That's exactly what that thought process was in my head. I go, it's, it's probably even good that he hits Acuna there. Because Acuna is due to smash one. So now he's on first base. He gets a feeble swing from Ozzie Albies. Pitched the hell out of Ozzie Albies. Gets a feeble little chopper down the first baseline. So I'm going, okay, they're still good. That gets Acuna to second base. And now Riley comes up. And here's where the big decision comes in. And I'm going to bring JT Real Muto into this little discussion here. Because 3-2 pitch, he throws a slider. 
The slider is up. Riley gets the barrel on the bat. Strong guy like that. It was a one-handed swing, a one-handed follow-through. But the force of the connection with the barrel of the bat and the bat speed with the strength of Riley is enough to get that ball in the air. And it carries out for a stunning home run. Uh, so let's go to Real Muto here. And here's how he explained the whole situation. His slider has been his bread and butter, Real Muto said. In that situation, you just have to trust the slider. Had he executed the fastball a little bit better, the previous fastball he's talking about, I might have gone with it again. But the way he threw the 2-2-1, it was just not competitive. You remember that was way outside and high. I uh, didn't want him to raise it just a little bit and it not be up enough. So we went with his best pitch there, which is the slider, and he got beat with it. Uh, okay, so so there's the, the dynamics of what JT Muto is thinking there. He's got to throw a slider. It's his bread and butter pitch. Again, this is sound thinking. It was sound thinking from Thompson to bring Hoffman in the game. It was sound thinking from JT Muto. His fastball wasn't there. He didn't trust him to elevate a fastball because if you don't elevate the fastball and you don't get it above a certain zone with these Braves hitters, they're going to hit it. The only way you get them out is high velocity up. So he didn't trust that he was going to get that pitch up. This is beautiful about baseball. What One pitch matters, and you go click, 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 click. And that's why postseason baseball is phenomenal. Okay, so now the home run to Riley awakens the whole thing. The fans are now into it. The Braves are now into it. And we go to the ninth inning to see if the Phillies can actually get a rally going. Top of the ninth, Harper gets a leadoff walk. Now, if you follow baseball, you know that usually a leadoff walk is going to come back to haunt you. So in this case, here comes Real Muto with Harper on first base. Again, Harper can't hit a home run to tie the game. So a walk in that situation, although it's costly to walk the leadoff hitter, almost is a bonus for the Braves because it takes Harper out. Now, Real Muto has hit a home run in the game. So I don't know. Is that a bargain or not? It's righty against righty. Real Muto flies out. First out of the inning, and here comes Castellanos. He launches one to deep right center. Now, I didn't think the ball was going to carry that far. It does. Michael Harris, who's a great defensive uh, center fielder, tracks it. And makes a tremendous catch defense. Now, uh, what happens there is it's an out. But Harper has rounded the base, second base, by 25 feet, which is a cardinal sin. Now, I know people go, well, I can't criticize Harper for that. He's got this warrior mentality. Well, his warrior mentality got him into trouble and cost the Phillies a game last night. All right, I get it. I, I get it. He's got a warrior mentality. Sometimes his wor warrior mentality overrides the smart play. You are always taught when that ball is in the air, you get to second base, you stay at second base because if the ball's going to go off the wall, you're going to score anyway. There is no reason for you to round the base by 25 feet. And I know he's ultra aggressive and he's going to go, I'm going to score his tying run. And he's done it before. I get it. But it wasn't smart. Now, I don't know if the Phillies would have won that game anyway, but what happens is just astounding. Harris fires it in, misses two cutoff men, misses the first cutoff man. The second one skips by Albies. Riley is tracking the play. If you saw the replay, Riley is looking at this play. He's at third base. He sees where the ball's coming in, and he's thinking in his head, 
boy, that might get by two guys. So he runs on where it's going to get past the two guys. Just a brilliant play by the guy. He's almost near second base when he tracks that ball down. He scoops, he throws, he gets Harper for the game-ending double play. I mean, what a way to end that game. And I know people were going, these announcers were too pro-Braves. They were too excited about it. Well, are you kidding me? That's the way the game ends on a play like that? If you're an announcer, you're not going to get excited? All right, so let's go now to, let's recap. They left 11 on base. I get it. Two for eight was runners in scoring position. Let's track it. First inning, they loaded the bases, had a run in, Scott Stock grounds out. Fourth inning, first and second with two outs, Harper grounds out. Sixth inning, first and second, one out, Harper and Real Muto pop out. Now, you look at that and you go, oh, well, you got to score there. But there is no thought given to the fact that the other team is trying to get your ass out. These are the playoffs. These are competitive people. It's not easy to score runs. It's easy to look at the Phillies and go, my God. They left 11 on base. They were two for two for eight runners in scoring positions. The other team's trying to get you out. The other team is busting their butt to be as competitive as possible to prevent you from scoring those runs. So you can blame the Phillies for not scoring. It's damn hard to score in the playoffs against a really good team whose pitchers are now fired up to get you out. All right? So there's only so much blame I could give the Phillies for that. It's not like they're playing a crap team where they, they leave 11 on base against an inferior pitcher. This is a team that won 101 games. So they're going to have some guys in the bullpen that can get you out. All right. So um, now it's back to reality. Let's bring producer Darren in here. Darren, um, this was a game that was really interesting because the, the Phillies had them dead and buried. Uh, and you could see the body language of the Braves. Yeah. The, the Phillies had taken their heart out of this series. The fact that they didn't score a run in 14 straight innings made you press harder and harder and harder to score. So when the gate is open on, on a lazy play by Trey Turner, all of a sudden you got one on the board, you go, whoo, and it loosens you up a little bit. So if I'm looking at one part of that game, it's you open the gate by being lazy ass on not being more competitive on snatching that relay throw. That's the way I looked at it. Once the door was open, it gave him breathing room. How'd you see it? I was going to mention that because I didn't know if you were going to go back to the Trey Turner errors, the two errors that were exposed. Well, the one didn't matter. It it cost him a perfect game. The ground ball, all right? It would have been a perfect game as he took into the set. The the, the relay throw is the killer. But, yes, but here's the thing. The fact that he had two errors in the game bothers me. And just to go back to what you first said to me, not only were the players out of that game, the crowd was out of that game, and the manager looked like he was having an aneurysm. Like, they, they were done. So that's what's the most upsetting. I look at the 11 stranded runners, and I look at the error by Trey Turner as the most important reasons why they blew that game. However, I want to go back to the seventh inning with Wheeler. Denard, their other catcher, Murphy, is a gold glove and a decent hitter. He didn't play last night for two reasons, one of which is he's he's Freed's catcher. But guess what? Unless he hits Wheeler as well as he does, Snitker probably says, sorry, Max, we're going to go with Murphy tonight. Darnaud's in that game. Darnaud. Darnaud. Darnaud, whatever. (laughs) He was a former Philly, for crying out loud. 
I know. He was, he was here for a cup of coffee. Come on. Uh, they drafted him and got rid of him quick. Anyway, he was, he he, was in uh, the trade, I think, for Roy Halliday. But besides that, I think he was. But he was only here for like a year. Yeah, he was a farmhand. He was a prospect. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Yes. Um, I'm aware. Anyway, uh, so he after all right, come, seventh inning, Wheeler gives up a base hit. Ozuna comes in. Wheeler puts his hand up at Topper and says, stay there. I'm good. He strikes Ozuna out. Okay. Then Darno comes in. And comes up, and that's where I said, he can't see him for a third time. This is a this is bad, it's a bad omen. And what happens? Boom. That's what opened the door to the game more than anything else. So what are you suggesting? I would have I would have pulled Wheeler after Ozuna. After he gets Ozuna strikes Ozuna out, yeah. you would have pulled him? Yeah. For Darno? Yes, because Darno hits him well. And it's a third time around. And yeah, I mean, there, there's no way that you can take your starting pitcher out of the game at that point after he gets that out on Ozuna, where he 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 completely uh, uh, fluxed him on that on that strikeout. So no, I, I there's I mean, no way I take him out there and overthink it for Darno. Now, if it's Acuna, maybe. I, and Darno, listen, Darno is a, a a backup catcher who who's had a nice career. And yeah, but he's not dangerous enough for me to say I'm taking Wheeler out of the game. It's just it's yeah. just a bad pitch. Uh, it's a pitch right. that that Darno can handle, and he hit it out. Uh, I, but I can't fault it's, the manager that I saw with anything the manager did last night. He he played it to. I, and I know there was a comedy inquiry today by Marcus Hayes. I, I mean, sometimes you overreact to these kinds of things. Like you want to blame Thompson for leaving Wheeler in there to give up a home run to Travis Darno. I mean, come on. Those things can happen in a playoff situation. The Phillies still had the lead, and you got to manage the game from that point on. Oh, I agree with you there. I, that's why I you, you you asked a question to start the podcast off, and I'm not sure how you're going to go on it, but it is a bad loss, but it is not a killer loss at all. I think they're they're fine. Things like last night happen in baseball all the time. It shouldn't happen in a big game like that. You shouldn't leave 11 base runners against a team that's as good as the Braves. That's as dead as they were at that time, but they're fine. Now Atlanta's got to come here to the jungle. We'll see what happens. Yes, but a couple things have to happen here. And one of it is that Nola has to pitch well in this game. And if he pitches well and they get ahead, then the crowd becomes a, a favor. Now, the Phillies are going to go into this game saying, we got the edge. They don't know who they're going to throw. You've already cooked Bryce Elder. You've told him by not saying he's going to pitch game three. And now if you go back to him, he goes, oh, my God, they doubted me. You don't get, you don't send that guy now into a game three with confidence because you've already wavered. So I don't even know if they can pitch him. And if they can't, they're going to pitch a guy the Phillies have not seen, which might be the better strategy to throw that kid out, even though it's Citizens Bank Park. To throw the kid out there instead of Bryce Elder might be the move that Snicker makes. Now, do you want to go to a bullpen game in a game three? I can't imagine that that would be successful, but it might be, again, because you're going to see different arms every couple of innings, and that may mess up the Phillies' offense. But it all depends on Nola. Early on, the Braves have momentum now. The Braves are feeling good about themselves. The Braves are, are an early-inning bashing team. If you you have to get past those first few innings to get the lead, to put them back in that offensive malaise, where they start thinking about themselves again, which they did for the first 14 innings of this series, where you could just yeah. see the exasperation on their face. They had lost their identity until they scored that run 
on a, you know, it's funny because I had a lot of coaches and I was an infielder who took a lot of relay throws. And whenever I missed a relay throw, even if it was a bouncer throw, my man, my coach managers would say, that's lazy ass. In other words, you got to swallow that thing. No matter where it is, you got to figure out if you have to get down on your on your knees and scoop and let it hit your chest and get it. That's what you got to do. He lollygagged that. It's a professional player lollygagging a relay throw. It was a terrible thing for Trey Turner to do there. And that put the one on the board that they hadn't had. One. And when you get one, you go, whew. And you exhale a little bit. Yeah. And as far as pitch, as far as the Braves pitcher for game three, I don't know that they can't go to Elder only because I haven't heard Snicker say, I don't know who we're going to pitch. What I have heard him say is, I'm not ready to tell you who we're going to pitch. So if that, I don't, and again, that's semantics, but um, he may have already told him in the background, you know, hey, listen, you're going. I'm I, I, I don't, I really don't know about that. I think that they're really scared to send Bryce Elder out. Citizens Bank Park. Park. I think you're right that a rookie young kid who doesn't know any better probably might have a better opportunity. And, and who the Phillies haven't seen. Yeah. Right. They, they saw Elder a couple times this year. Uh, and so I, I don't think that once you've introduced the element of doubt on that kid, you can't now send them and say today, OK, you're my starting pitcher. And you go to the press conference, they starting pitcher. Yeah. You've already introduced it. Like if you were certain about that kid, you would have announced it earlier that he's got game three. You didn't announce that. Everybody assumed he was going to get game three, but they're scared to death of sending him out there, which is a, a little something that like they're looking at his makeup. And they saw in the second half of the year, and they go, you know, maybe his makeup is not ready for that spot. So, yeah, we'll yeah. see. Now, uh, they said the obligatory things after the game. Um, and, and, you know, in a way, that's refreshing. Well, hey, you know, but here's the thing that doesn't play for me. They say, well, we did what we wanted to do in Atlanta. We got a split, which is horse shit, okay? That's not a split. That's not, you gave momentum back to the other team one-to-one. That's not, okay, we did what we wanted to do. So I, I don't know how that carries over. Now, here's what Castellano uh, had to say. Um, he said that uh, we get punched. I, I mean, we thrive after we get punched in the face, man. You know? So that's all it is. It stings, but we'll take it and make it motivate us moving forward that's all well and good you can say that that's great but that's just that's just talk that's just words after a loss it's like turner saying the same thing you know, turner like he didn't do anything wrong the way he approached it after the game when he was talking to the press he didn't say you know it was a horrendous play by me he said ah, you know why we move on now that's either refreshing or that's denial because a loss like that when you have control of the series and you're thinking about as late as the seventh inning, oh, my God, we're too well in this series going back home. And all of a sudden, the, the script flips. I don't care if you're a professional or not. I don't care if you're an adult or not. A loss like that hits hard. And so we'll see. They've got to get ahead of the Atlanta Braves early in that game. And Nola's got to get some shutdown innings. And if they get to the fifth inning and they're up, say, 2 nothing, then they're in command. And, and you – oh, God, Nola. I, there's no – athlete in the city that frustrates me more than Aaron Nola. And you know with him early on, if he's on or not. If he's up in the zone, like I know we talked about that little extra hitch he has in his wrist on his throws. If he's off and he's up in the zone, you'll know it early. 
And if that's the case, oh man, it'll be a long night. Listen, he he's pitched very well at Citizens Bank Park, uh, and he did pitch well in last year's playoffs for a time. Um, and he he did pitch well in that series against Atlanta last year. Uh, so this is not all new to him, uh, and he knows what he has to do. So uh, here's the scenario: either either they face Bryce Elder, which I don't think. Either they faced a 20-year-old kid, A.J. Smith-Shoyer, who began the season in high A, like uh, or, Orion Kirkery. Would they throw that kid in there? I Listen, I don't know what Snickers going to do, but I almost think that's a better scenario than Bryce Elder. Or they can go with a bullpen game. And uh, I don't think you're going to see Elder. I think it's going to be one or the other. I think it's going to be Smith-Shoyer. Or uh, I think it's going to be a bullpen to get to game three. And then Spencer Schrider gets game four for him. And I don't know if they come back with Max Freed. Because Freed was just uh, not himself last night. You saw he threw the majority of curveballs because the fastball uh, was going to irritate his blister. So I don't even know if they can count on him for a game five. So the Phillies still have the edge here. There's no question in my mind. Yeah, I think they come with a bullpen game. I think that's the most, if they don't pitch Elder, as much as I think that uh, Smith Sawyer would have, and again, I don't know his mental makeup, but if he's, if, he, if he's a strong-minded young kid, he might give them the best chance to win. But I think Snicker will, is already told Elder behind the scenes that he's game three starter or he's going bullpen, one or the other. But you're right. It really doesn't matter who the hell they throw out there. It's all an Aaron Nola. Listen, this kid uh, is 20 years old, and he's in the major leagues now. After 110 minor league innings in 28 starts, only five of those starts were above single A. All right? So, I don't know. If you're the manager, can you can you throw that guy out there in game three? Now, he's, he throws hard, uh, and, and he doesn't know any better, and maybe that's the way to go. But uh, this series is fascinating to me. Baseball, playoff baseball, is absolutely fascinating it's to me. The, the best. way it can turn on a dime. It really is. It's the best. And, and these guys that played at a high level, I mean, that play in center field to end the game is just an amazing play. Uh, and they, they caught a guy who was over-aggressive, who plays with a warrior mentality, and this time it let him down. And you can say all you want about Bryce Harper, because uh, I hear people say, well, I've never criticized Bryce Harper. You know, he's done, he does, he's done so much. Yeah, okay, I get that. But that doesn't, because he's done so much and just because he's a warrior, does not mean he did not make a bad play there. That's a horrendous play. And it ends the game. Like, it's, it's not a mistake that you could come back from. It's not a mistake that, you know, you have another inning to rectify. That's the game if you get picked off of first base. You just can't do it. So I get the uh, – and I love Bryce Harper too. And I love the fact that he charges the home plate from second base and runs through a stop sign because he's got a warrior mentality. But when you, when you miss that, it's not going to end the game, right? If you're coming around second base, you go through a stop sign, they throw you out the plate. You've messed up the game. There are different circumstances of when you could do stuff like that. You know, you, speaking of running through a stop sign, you, you, you failed to mention one thing. In the first inning last night, when they loaded the bases, try, who was it at third? Was it Bohm at third base that Waltham, yeah. Dusty Waltham held up because he knew yeah. he had Stott coming up? Yeah. 
No, well, first of all, Bohm runs like my ass. <laughs> all right, so, <laughs> so I, I looked at that. I know, listen, and, they, and, they, and on the post game show, I watched the post game show with J Roll uh, and uh, uh, Curtis Granderson and Pedro with uh, with Ernie Johnson, right? And they were they're talking about how you have to be aggressive on that. But he would have been out by twenty feet. Rosario is the worst arm in the outfield, but yeah, he, but Holmes just got the third base when Rosario had the ball. Well, I mean, it was so the first I, I didn't, I, I I didn't look at that like. If it's a faster runner, maybe you take a chance. If it's Boehm, I, I wouldn't have taken the chance to get thrown out. That's the last out in the inning, isn't it? Yeah, it would have been the third out. Yeah, it would have been the third out. You can't. You, at that point, you make the third out by sending him, and, and it's the percentages are that he's not going to score that run, no matter uh, what kind of an arm Rosario has, because Boehm is just not a runner. Right. So I, first, I looked at that, and I know people are looking at that. What's that? It's the first inning. Doesn't change your opinion on that at all? Is it early? No, because I listen. Uh, I I like the fact that Bryson starts off. Uh, me too. Really uh, me too. You know, he, he's it. a he's clutch a hitter. Player. So uh, I I'm not looking at more who's up as much as what chance I have to score Bohm. Okay. And I didn't think the chances to score Bohm were very good anyway. Okay. So there that's you go. the way it works. All right. So there's where we stand, folks. This is a special. Post-game Mike Missinelli podcast the day after. We're going to be doing these uh, after every game. So uh, the series is tied one-to-one. And, again, it gets back to this. The Braves' momentum, what they gained last night, will that overcome the fact that the Braves now have to win in Philly with a pitching staff that they don't know who they're going to throw in game three? And that's the dynamic of this game three. That's the beauty of this game three. What carries over? Are the Braves awakened now? Do they loosen up when when they're uh, in the batter's box? Do they uh, you know do they go with the, with the abandon that they've played the season with offensively by being aggressive against Aaron Nola? Does Aaron Nola hit his spots? Because if he doesn't, he's meat for them. And then you look at the crowd and what it can do. So all kinds of great dynamics in Game Three in this series. I almost wish this was a seven-game series, but it's five games. It's all compacted. It's squeezed in. Uh, and, and I think the Phillies obviously have the advantage in game three. I don't know. Let me – can we look at the Bet Rivers app and figure out what's the we, – do we have a line on that yet? Uh, this is the last thing we'll leave you with is the line because the line the line is very telling. Now, I looked at the, the line on Bet Rivers when I came last night. Wheeler – favorite. The Braves were minus 160. Against Wheeler last night, which which caught my attention right away. It was a decided Braves line, and I'm looking at, boy, they really got this line wrong until Darno hits the home run, and then Riley hits the home run. So uh, I don't know what the line will be I in this game. I assume the Phillies. 125, uh, Bet Rivers has them at 121. Uh, well, see, that's a pretty even. That's money. a scared. That's a scared Phillies line. Yeah. It's a it's a Phillies line, but it's a scared Phillies line. One twenty one uh, is doesn't give the Phillies much of an edge in this game like normal. But so we'll look at it. Like you know, for instance, in game two with Wheeler going, the Braves are minus one sixty. The Phillies yeah. are coming back to the Cauldron of Citizens Bank Park, and the Braves don't know who they're going to pitch yet, and it's still only minus one twenty one. So that scares me a little bit. All right, we'll follow it. <laughs> this is great drama. Two games in Philly tomorrow night and Thursday night. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. If you uh, want to get to me, my email address, of course, is mike at mikemiss.com. I'd love to hear your comments 
on what happened last night, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll read them live on the air if they're sensational uh, for our next podcast. Oh, don't forget to check me out on Twitter. I've already put the alert out on Twitter about this podcast uh, coming up uh, in a little bit that we'll release it. And uh, that, of course, is uh, Mike Miss 25. All right, everybody have a great uh, autumn day. It's a beautiful day out there. Go out there and enjoy it if you're not stuck in a cubicle in the office. Uh, for Darren, I am Mike Missinelli. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.